All right, now, I always need prayer. <laughs> but today I feel like I need a little extra. <laughs> um, I thought I knew I was preaching, and then kind of felt like at the last minute, uh, maybe things changed. <laughs> okay, so uh, what I'd like to share with you is um, in the Bible, in John chapter 2, John chapter 2, in verse 13, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for this time we get to spend together. We do pray you bless this time and glorify, Lord, your name. Work in this place, Lord, for your glory and honor and according to the need of everyone here. And uh, please grant me your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in John chapter 2, verse 13... It says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And so this, this thought kind of uh, came to me a while back that um, we are the house of God. If you're here in this place and you've been born again, the Bible's very clear, we are the temple of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit dwells within. And so the very thought of, of what it is to be a child of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, means that this passage has application to our lives, that the truth is, is that all of us are capable of harboring sin. That we could not just, not just have a bad day, make a bad decision, fall into sin, but what I'm talk talking about is harboring sin. Allowing something that you know God is not pleased to be in your life, and you know it's there, and you protect it, and you make place for it. And so I just have some thoughts about that. And uh, what we just read in John chapter 2 is <laughs> under those, those circumstances of thought, the, this is a very convicting verse. It's an extremely, uh, let me just read it again when it says in verse 16, um, verse 15, And when he made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And you don't see the Lord in any other place in his earthly ministry reacting in a physical sense to what was going on. Everything is, is ministering. He, he rebuked. He used uh, harsh or strong language at times with the, uh, uh, the Pharisees and chief priests. But this is the only time that I can recall any time in the Lord Jesus' ministry where he physically took a scourge of cords and drove people out, physically came in and overthrew the tables. And he said, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Verse 17 says, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And so when you put all these things together with this, this thought that came to me, I guess a, a couple of weeks ago, that we are the temple of the Lord. And that the Lord in observing in me, in, in any of us, all of us, things that we allow to be in our hearts and in our thoughts that we know 
does not belong in our, our, our inner being, our inner man, then it is quite appropriate for the Lord to come in and rebuke us and clean house. And so there's just some things in Scripture, I think, that deal with this when, when it specifically shows God's uh, feelings about these things. So in 2 Kings, you guys forgive me, this is going to be a little rough. <laughs> you know, it feels rough to me. First, in, in 2 Kings chapter 21, um, this is Manasseh. Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah, who, um, who Hezekiah was a godly king. And uh, there was a time in which God told him to set his house in order. He would die and not live. Uh, Hezekiah turned his, his, his face to the wall, and he wept, and he said, Lord, remember how I've, I've done that which is right in your eyes. And God, before Isaiah had even left the house, God turned him back and said, send him, send him, give him this message. I have heard thy cry. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I've added 15 years to your life. It was in those 15 years that Hezekiah had a son, and Manasseh was the son. Now, for as much as Hezekiah was a man who feared God, and he led this great revival in Israel, let me tell you, Manasseh went by a different pattern. Now, uh, let me just see, um, in 2 Kings 21, uh, verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and reigned 50 and 5 years. That's longer than any other king reigned in Israel's history. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the, the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house, of the which the Lord said unto David and to Solomon his son in this house, and in Jerusalem, have, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel to move any more out of the land which I gave to their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them, but they hearken not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the, na did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Now listen, there's some pretty wicked kings in Israel's history, Ahab and his son. And listen, there's just so many foul things that happens. But when you get to this verse, and it says, Manasseh, Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Now, at this point, you're still talking about God's people. And you look at the, at the history of the nations of, Can of the land of Canaan, and the Bible says for 400 years, their iniquity was building and the fact that not only was God rescuing his people when he brought them out of Egypt, he wasn't just rescuing them and giving them a place to live. He was judging these nations. And we say all that to say this, that Manasseh led Israel to do worse than God was judging the Canaanites for. And so there's a specific, there's a particular offense when God's people give place to evil. 
when God's people give place to sin in their lives. And there's a particular offense that God has. So it's very important for us to understand this. And um, so Manasseh was guilty not only of, of, of worshiping all the hosts of heaven and, and idols that, that, that his father had put away, but he was guilty of taking idols and putting them in God's house. So this is akin to what it is for Christians to suffer sin in their hearts that they know is wrong and giving place to that and giving place to this thing before obeying God. And the thing is, I, I guess I, I, I'm a little, I find it very disturbing when you observe Christians who are openly carrying on two lives. There is the life in church, there is the life on Sundays, and there's the rest of my life. And they're content to have it that way. And you can come in, you can have a, a man of God preaching the word of God with the spirit moving them and empowering them and delivering the messages God says to men. But people can be so set in their ways that they can sit down in the pew and say, amen, preacher, bring it on. And then walk out and act like none of it was true. And let me tell you, if that's a child of God, they're inviting God's wrath. Because God is a good parent. God knows how to correct his children and will do so without fail. And so for a child, and, and, the, and so I don't know which is worse, to be a lost soul coming to church or to be a saved person content to compartmentalize their lives into God's day and the rest of the week, which is mine. So listen, it is very, very concerning from a scriptural point of view, to protect sin. <laughs> it is very scary. Let me just tell you, as someone who's had this thought and recognized that there is a, uh, there is a real danger in protecting sin in a child of God's life. And so there was Manasseh. There was also Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 7. I'm, I'm going to try not to read too much or or, or pastor will start shaking the phone at me. <laughs> but he's sitting all the way in the back, so there's a good chance I won't see him. <laughs> uh, so Ezekiel chapter 8. I'm just kidding, pastor. I'll, I'll try to make sure I... <laughs> chapter, uh, Ezekiel chapter 8 in verse uh, 7. So this is God taking Ezekiel. Now, this is a time of, of God's judgment upon Israel. And, uh, and I don't know. I don't, I don't perfectly understand the, the, the timeline but uh, it seems to me that Israel has gone into captivity. Ezekiel is a man that uh, God is choosing to lead Israel through this time of captivity. And at the same time, we see this. And so I recommend you read all of uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8 if you have the time. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. And he said unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that are done there. So I went in and saw, and behold, every, every form of creeping things and abominable, be, abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood about before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jeazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen 
what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery. For they say, the Lord seeth us not, the Lord hath forsaken the earth. Now these are the leaders of Israel, the ancients of Israel. And the Bible says, and I chose this passage because it says, Then said he, Son of man, seest thou what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? In other words, where people can't see. And it's a, it's, a, it's a danger beyond words for Christians to allow. Now listen, by the way, I don't think that for one second I'm saying that Christians do not sin. We all sin. But to have a place where you will be sitting in the dark, expecting that nobody will know. Let me tell you, this is a dangerous place for a child of God. Because God always sees. You're never in the dark from God. And yet there are times in which wickedness of our hearts leads us to be absolutely deceived to believe that no one sees. And let me tell you, there is a specific rebuke in the Word of God for that train of thought. Now listen, really it's true for all of humanity. Whether you're saved or not, God sees and knows the intents of man's heart. But for a child of God, let me tell you, there is a layer of offense on top of everything else. There is a layer of accountability that we have before God. And so God said, you, son of man, he's speaking to Ezekiel. He says, son of man, do you see what these do? And if you read chapter 8, there's a lot of this. It keeps going and escalating. And again, also to the house of God, the things that they have in there. And so the, this, this, this very important thought that I had about this is, now are we the temple of God? It says this in Corinthians. Now are we the temple of God? More so than the physical temple in Jerusalem, every believer in Jesus Christ is a living, breathing, walking, talking temple. And by far, far more sacred than any place that you could go to on planet Earth. Far more sacred than these walls. You ever have someone say, well, we, we probably shouldn't talk about this in church. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if anybody here has said those words, but I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> we probably shouldn't talk about that here <laughs> well there's this event that we're going to have but we we shouldn't do that in the church now listen I, I aside from all those things the truth is is we are the temple of the lord and so the things that we allow in our thoughts and in our hearts wicked thoughts and desires need to be rejected and driven out of our hearts and minds just exactly like the Lord Jesus did with that temple we read about in John 2. And you saw the zeal with which the Lord, again, there's no other place in Scripture where the Lord Jesus, God's own Son, walking on planet Earth, showed that kind of physical anger and, and commandment. Take these things, hence! Now, I don't know the, the inflection that Jesus used, but I, I, I feel like it's safe to say you can see some anger that these things were in God's house. 
And so wicked thoughts, desires, they need to be rejected and driven out of our hearts and minds in the exact same way the Lord Jesus drove out those, uh, those foul things that he saw. If we do not, we can count on the Lord doing a cleaning of them himself. Now again, that should be a sobering thought for every child of God. <laughs> when we fail to judge ourselves, Lord, forgive me, that was an evil thought. And I, I, again, I can't speak for anybody else on planet Earth what it's like to have thoughts come into your mind, temptations, whatever, and you just don't even immediately think about it. You just, they're just there. And you find yourself having allowed them to be there. I don't know, seconds, minutes, whatever. And you find yourself having allowed this thought to percolate in your mind, and, you, and then you recognize what has happened. Listen, there's only one thing to do. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for allowing this thing to percolate in my thoughts, in my, in my heart, because really that's where the danger is. If we do not, if we do not recognize that's sin, that is grotesque. God does not want that kind of thinking going on inside of me. If we do not recognize it, if we do not confess it, if we do not take it to God, say, Lord, forgive me for this, then listen, the Lord has every right as our owner, the person who bought me with his own blood. He has every right to come and clean house himself. Again, I will not speak for any of you. <laughs> but I, let me just tell you, I know when I have been taken to the woodshed, and it was not pretty. <laughs> I, I keep on being tempted to give you examples. I, I'm not giving you any examples. <laughs> I don't want to tell you any examples. Uh, let me just tell you, they're ugly. <laughs> and I'm thankful to, and, and you know, here's the other thing, is to be corrected is also something to be thankful for. That I am his child, and he corrects me. You know, at the same time, the stinging of the spanking, you can also be thankful that there is a, a father in heaven who loves me and corrects me. <laughs> and it might sting, but praise the Lord, God knows how to, how to correct his children. And so uh, we are bought with a price. Our hearts and minds are not ours to do with as we will. It's a very flawed thought that so many people have. And I'm, when I, at this point, I'm talking specifically about born-again believers. That it, it, it is not, I don't think it's an uncommon thing for people to think, this is my, my heart. This is my realm. I can, I can do whatever I want. And I think there might even be this, this, this flawed perception of as long as it doesn't become actual sin with my hands or my feet or going and doing somewhere, it's okay because I haven't actually got, done anything with it. Listen, that's all wrong. That's why the Bible says that it's the, the thoughts and the intents of the heart, they matter. And God expects us to walk in the ways that are right from the inside out. Because if you've just cleaned up the outside and the inside's still full of messed up stuff, then you're no better than the Pharisees. Who the Lord Jesus had, there's nobody that he had harsher language for than the Pharisees who whited themselves up on the outside, but on the inside they were full of vileness and dead men's bones. And so it's very important for us to recognize the danger 
of, of, of leaving things on the inside that he has told us they have no business being there. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 14 through 16, excuse me, <clears throat> it refers to the inner man. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And this passage is referring to the, this fact of this inner man. This is where we have fellowship with God. <laughs> it's, so, it's so incredibly sacred to have this place on the inside where me and God meet to be a place that he is pleased to come and meet us with. The Bible talks about the temple of the Lord, that, it was, that the place where you first came in was the holy place. And they had, they had the, the different places of, of uh, instruments of worship where the priests came in. But then there was the, the very back portion called the holiest of holies. And this, this place, not even the priest could go in, but the high priest once a year. And the Bible says that that high priest and God would meet there in that place. Now listen, we're not... I don't have to travel to Jerusalem and come find a, a specific man and ask him to go in. And when he talks with the Lord, hey, I've got some things I need you to tell him for me. By the grace of God, I go before his throne myself. I get to worship him face to face. Me, he and I talking together in an intimate way as his son. This, this is a place of enormous privilege. And so when we're talking about that special place where God and I communicate together, it is so important <laughs> that there not be an idol there. It is so important that there not be some portion of that place that is given over to some vile wickedness that God and I both know don't belong there. And if Christians are not careful, the world can push you and pull you and sway you to the point where they have more influence on your thought life than God does. Now listen, this is something that God tells us all to be aware of and to not let it be that way. There's an inner man that every child of God has, and that is where we meet. <laughs> with the Lord. And it's very, very important that we have that, that place sacred. Because an ill thought or ill or desire is not expressed outly does not make it okay. I think that's when people believe that because it doesn't happen on the outside, that means it's not sin. But that's not true. Matthew 5, if we had time, we'd visit there. But very clearly, the Lord Jesus said, if, you, if a man look on a woman to lust after her, he has created adultery in his heart. And so, listen, God clearly speaks to us about this inner life that we have. 
This is uh, at the dedication of the temple when Solomon was there and he built it. And, and this wonderful prayer that Solomon made, this is a portion of it in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 38. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 38. What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou, only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee all the days of the, they, that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Our walk with the Lord starts here. Man looks on the outward appearance. Man looks at what man does. But our walk with God in its most sacred place is happening on the inside, which spills out into the rest of our lives. Man, when he tries to impress upon getting the outside the way he thinks other men think the outside should look, and he thinks he can make that seep on through to the inside... It's a completely failed idea. It's, it's, it's a wreck, train wreck waiting to, waiting to happen. God says, clean the inside first. And of course, we can't clean it. Only the Lord Jesus can. And so our place is to recognize all of this and, and go to him and seek. In the, and I thank God that Solomon says this. He says, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man, or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. And he talks about praying towards this place. And you see Daniel doing that in the book of Daniel, opening up his windows and praying three times a day, even when it became illegal. <laughs> and we look at our world around us telling us how to think, how to feel, and telling us not to fear God. And what do we see God saying? Fear God. Walk in his ways. And don't be afraid what men say. And so our place as brothers and sisters in the Lord is to encourage each other. To encourage each other to fear the Lord. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If you be concerned first and foremost above everything else, what does God think? What does God say? What is God's will? And ask God for the grace to do it. Ask God for the grace to walk in his ways. Because the other side of this is you can have the desire to serve God. You can have the desire to be, live a life that's pleasing to God. And then before you take the first step out the door, the world is telling you, sit down and shut up. So our place is to fear God and not fear man. And to have that inner life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters in life. So our place is to worship him right here. To have fellowship with him on the inner man day by day. Walk with him. Worship him. And glory in him. We talked in Sunday school about being the, right, the righteous are as bold as a lion. When God helps you get that perspective. That God has me. He has my life. He has my loved ones. Everything is in his hands. I don't need to worry about what anybody says. Then listen, that's a, that's a pretty wonderful way to live your life. Living in fellowship with the Lord, walking with him daily. And I, I do not say this as someone who has it all together. I do not. <laughs> I just know this is what God wants for me. 
Regardless of whether anybody else ever does, this is what God wants for me. For me to have fellowship with him and to share the joy of Christ with all those around me. And I know that's what he wants for all of us. So uh, thank you for allowing me to share these things, and I guess we'll go ahead and close. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for these things we've shared, and thank you, Lord, for your great love with us, for us, and uh, that you want to spend your life, uh, our lives uh, walking with you. And we pray that you help us to do that. Help us to, to love and fear you and walk in your ways. And uh, we pray that you'd make us bold as a lion in, in our love for you and, uh, and in righteousness. And please help us in the coming days, weeks, months, and years, uh, however long until you come back. Lord, help us to be faithful every day to love you and serve you and walk with you in the world. And we thank you. Please bless the needs of everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.